Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 230, being recorded on Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Well, uh, this is one of my favorite times of the quarter, is when Amazon announces their results. So... um, this is this episode's going to be a hot take. We're going to go really deep and peel the onion on these results because I think they're really important given where we are as an industry, uh, but also to kind of see how Amazon's faring during this this crazy pandemic times. Before we dive into specifics, though, here's kind of the setup. So, um, you know, Amazon had a pretty good quarter in Q1. Uh, the pandemic really was mostly felt. The shutdowns, the shelter in places kind of started, what, Jason, like March 10th, March 12th, somewhere Mid-March, in there. March, exactly. Yeah. So they had, you know, 75% of the quarter um, was pre COVID, and then only a small percent was kind of wrapped up in COVID or 1590s, whatever that ends up being. Um, the, so this is the really the first quarter where we're kind of kind of understand what's going on here. So um, from a macro perspective, uh, we just had GDP got got printed that was down thirty two percent. So that's uh, you know that's the yardstick with which we measure the economy, uh, gross domestic product. So that's the biggest decline on record. Um, and then just to compare that, you know Germany's down ten percent, China. Um, Asterix is up 3.2%. Everyone believes China kind of lies on their number. Um, so who knows what's really going on? They're there, also but, uh, sort of a quarter in the future, like COVID hit them earlier. So yeah, that's true. You, yeah. That would they, almost they comp against up. our, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, and then the companies, um, one other interesting aspect is we were actually set to record this a week ago, but um, Amazon uncharacteristically uh, had a little bit of an extra time this time to get their results out. So uh, last year they result they announced on the 23rd, and this year it's on the 30th. Um, so that let a couple of companies sneak in there. Usually Amazon's one of the first to report, and then um, it's actually pretty interesting because they reported today with the bulk of the what's called the Fang stocks minus uh, net. Netflix. So they, uh, Facebook was today, Apple, Amazon, um, and then also Facebook. So, so that was kind of a crazy day, uh, on CNBC, they were running around with their hair on fire, trying to cover all of that stuff. Yeah. The poor financial reporters. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, and then they're all working from home. So they, they can't, they're talking over each other anyway. And they were just, it was total chaos. Um, but anyway, uh, Shopify, uh, was able to announce earlier in the week and their revenue shocked, uh, by being up 97%. eBay also came out earlier this week and surprised everyone with 26% growth. eBay has historically been flat to slightly down on their GMV growth. So that was a really nice surprise. And then uh, on the show last week, we had talked about that Goldman report I liked that talked about the impact of COVID and what they were seeing. They took their own look at things and they had a blend of um, input from Comscore and eMarketer. And what they had done is they had said, hey, you know, prior to this pandemic, we were looking at kind of a 14% growth rate and we're going to ratchet it up in 2020 to 29% and then keep it pretty elevated um, going forward. So, 
so I think we can kind of think of 29% as the baseline here is kind of the new, or you know, at least the, the pandemic um, level uh, with which uh, e-commerce oriented companies are growing. Um, so if we kind of do that and just to revisit this again, so uh, eBay kind of in line with that 29%, Shopify uh, effectively triple that um, coming into the pandemic. A um, couple other interesting news tidbits that kind of were building into this. Um, so the FCC announced earlier today that they have cleared Amazon to launch their own satellite network. Um, so that's pretty interesting. So obviously, um, so Jeff Bezos has a rocket company. I, I'm not exactly sure if they're going to use that. I can't imagine they would use SpaceX to launch these. <laughs> so so um, there's this kind of fun billionaire thing where, you know, so Elon has been working on a satellite network um, and then um, he has had cars with Tesla. Um, Bezos just bought, uh, was it Zooks, um, which is the self-driving car company, and then now has launched his own satellite or gotten clearance. And these to do satellite, satellite networks are communications net, like essentially to like broadband internet or, or yeah. cell phone service from space. Yeah. Wi-Fi from space. Um, uh, Starlink is the name of the SpaceX one and they're they're in a beta program apparently, and it's supposedly a really great service. So I'm, I'm kind of moderately excited about that. I feel like everyone is excited about that except for the astronomers, because apparently it's ruining the view of the sky. Yeah, yeah. They, they to get good coverage, they have to launch thousands of these things. I think the Amazon is actually three thousand, and I think Starlink is building up towards three thousand. And they they do um, they have solar panels, and the reflections off those evidently really mess up the night sky. So that's sad. But hey, we have faster Wi-Fi, so there you go. Trade offs. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because this is not our our beat. But um, we had these antitrust hearings yesterday, um, where we had both the CEOs of Google, Amazon, Apple, and Facebook. Uh, uh, interestingly, all the companies that announced today um, and testify yesterday. And I think that was well timed on their behalf because you didn't want to, you know, if if they were actually going tomorrow after they all essentially just totally crushed their numbers. Um, that would have been a bad optics for them. So, so that was interesting. Do you think that could have played any part in why Amazon reported later this year? You know, I actually didn't think about that, but that could be it. Yes. I was thinking it uh, took so it just took longer to count all the money. All the money, yeah. <laughs> you, I seriously don't know how it works. Like, can you just pick any date you want and there's some strategy about whether you're early or late in the reporting season? Yeah, so if you're a um, – if you're considered a large company, which obviously Amazon is, there's a window within which you have to report. And, um, you know, I think it's 40 days. Um, so that's one input. So they, they couldn't do like, you know, August 20th or something like that. That would be too late. Um, but then, yeah, so so one of the strategies is how long does it take your finance team? So you have to run an audit. Um, so you have this externality. Um, so you have to do your work and then a third party company has to come in and do it. Um, and at their scale, I just... I just can't even imagine what that audit looks like. Yeah, that's you know? a pretty good jobs program for Deloitte or whoever does that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine the scale of that. Um, and then another thing you try, do try to do is you do try to avoid being on days with a lot of the same, you know. So, so in our in this world of Wall Street, you have these coverage universes. We've had several analysts on here, so hopefully this isn't too foreigner to listeners. So, what you don't want to do is you've got you know you've got these twenty analysts that follow you. You don't want to have your call the same day as everyone else in their universe. Well, that's essentially what kind of happened. Um, so it is highly unusual. And now I think about it and you mentioned that I do think maybe that played a role. The reason I bring up the antitrust thing, even though I hate talking about politics is 
um, Jeff Bezos penned a letter that I really, really enjoyed as him telling, it felt very authentic and in his voice, um, you know, having read a lot of his stuff from like the 97 letter, um, uh, which is that famous kind of shareholder letter from the first year they were public when he outlined, Hey, we're going to focus on this thing called uh, free shipping and selection. And, you know, everyone was like, what is all this stuff? Um, so this letter I thought was just really well done and I just enjoyed reading it. And I thought, um, I would mention to listeners that, that if you have 10 minutes, go read that letter. It's really, really good. What did you, um, what were you thinking coming into this quarter? Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone was surprised to see e-commerce way up, obviously with the pandemic. And, uh, it turns out when you close a lot of stores, uh, the alternative ways to buy things are more, are more popular. Um, it was interesting to me, like there's a, a lens you could look at like Shopify and eBay and say, okay, Demand was way up, and neither of those companies would likely have a lot of capacity constraints. Like because there are so many individual sellers that make up their sales, like you, you would kind of imagine that uh, you know they they didn't have a, a warehouse capacity problem. Um, but you could imagine that Amazon would have had much higher demand, like everyone else. But but even at Amazon scale and with their crazy infrastructure, you could imagine that that. Uh, fulfillment center and delivery capacity was the limiting factor on their numbers for this quarter. So I was kind of curious to see how they would do, uh, you know, just to see whether they they would uh, say that there was any impact of, of that. And so su- super impressive that they had such a big quarter. Uh, there was a school of thought that they lost a little share to some other retailers because obviously they had to lower their delivery promise and they constrained some product for some period of time. And so other retailers got to jump in on some of those non-essentials that Amazon had to de-emphasize. Um, so I was curious how it would all play out. It was totally fascinating. Uh, I agree. The Bezos letter was interesting. Um, you know, uh, he has a good backstory and he, he tells this nice, uh, uh, story about being adopted and, and his, um, adopted father and all this stuff that's very heartwarming. Um, and then he talks about what a small part of retail they are, which is of course, uh, a self serving story in the, in the context of being accused of antitrust. Um, and so he, in the letter, he mentions, uh, we're less than 4% of, of us retail, um, which is just interesting. Um, take that with a grain of salt. There's a lot of different ways to define retail. And I'm going to presume he picked the, the one that made him seem the smallest. Um, but if you sort of back into some math from that, it's interesting what that would mean. Um, based on like Forrester's sizing of retail, uh, 4% uh, would put the, him at a GMV of like uh, $218 billion, uh, assuming he was talking 2019 numbers. Um, and that $218 billion would be approximately 36% of 2019's e-commerce revenue. So. I just find that interesting because there's a lot of estimates out there around Amazon's GMV um, and its share. And, uh, you know, these are on the the low side of the typical estimates I see. So it kind of it it generally passes the smell test. Um, and, it you know, there are some crazy estimates out there that have Amazon at 50 percent of e-commerce. So uh, I, I just found that interesting. And then if you actually watch the live hearings, there was kind of a. 
even more absurd analogous moment um, in Mark Zuckerberg's testimony where he's talking about how Facebook is basically losing to all its competitors at everything. And it's pretty funny. He's like, Amazon's advertising business is growing much faster than ours, and Google's advertising business is much bigger than ours. (laughs) And (laughs) And I'm like, that's pretty carefully selected facts to make it, you know, you sound like a popper, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was the setup. Um, and now let's dig into Amazon's Q2 results with a hot tape. Amazon News. Your margin is their opportunity. Yeah. So the best way to characterize this, well, I'll probably run out of superlatives, but this was a monster uh, result. Um, and it's fascinating because Amazon had also set it up uh, in their the guidance they gave in Q1 saying, hey, we're really having to spend a lot of money on COVID related things for, you know, our fulfillment centers are not running at capacity because of social distancing. We're investing a ton in PPE. We're going to give extra pay to people for hazard. Um, they had really set it up that said, yeah, we're going to see a spike in sales, but really you should not expect a commiserate spike in, in profitability. In fact, you know, I, uh, I think the number was we're going to spend f- over $4 billion dollars on covid related expenses which is a pretty pretty material number so that was that was kind of the they'd done a really good job i think of tamping down expectations um and then they just really uh, blew it away here so you know in, in wall street language you have kind of a beat uh you know a miss a beat a, a kind of coming in a whisper number there's all this stuff on how you did and then um, Wall Street's always like, what have you done for me lately? So really, people are kind of already thinking about Q3. So then you think about the current quarter and the future quarter. So a beat and raise or a beat and lower. Um, this was a crush and a crush or a smash and a smash. I don't, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> so um, so let's dive into it. So, um, you know, uh, as a result of these results, uh, the stock was up over 5% after hours. And that's that's not a huge amount, but you have to remember this this cohort of companies we're talking about, specifically Microsoft, um, Apple, and Amazon. They're in the trillion dollar plus club. So when a when a trillion dollar market cap stock goes up five percent, that's a lot of lot more capital coming into the market than even like a Shopify or IBM or you know all those are kind of like micro caps compared to what we see with Amazon and Apple. Um, Off topic, Apple actually really surprised people too. So. Um, you know, even though I think Amazon's going to leap forward into this north of trillion dollar club, I think Apple's going to even go further. So, so it's it's kind of pretty rarefied air up here. Um, so the stock was up five percent to thirty two hundred, and one analyst I've seen is already kind of nudging up from kind of three thousand to thirty five hundred just on these results. So let's put it in perspective. So from an overall revenue perspective, Wall Street expected Q two to come in at eighty point seven billion, and uh, Amazon surprised coming in at eighty eight point nine billion. Um, the the math on that is they beat the estimates by eight billion dollars uh, or ten percent. So that's uh, B with a billion, uh, not million. That's an $8 billion beat. Um, I don't know how to put that in perspective. Uh, how, it's like several beat by like, I don't know how big JCPenney is these days. Probably a billion dollars. There's like eight JCPenney's or something. <laughs> so it, it's hard to even put it in perspective how big of a crush that is. Um, and and then you know what's exciting about that is that's 41% growth year over year. 
you may hear us say some percentages and see some different articles out there with different percentages. Um, we always go with counting out the, the, any impact from currencies, um, they call it FX or finance or, uh, fiscal exchanges. Uh, so, uh, foreign exchange. So, um, 41% year over year growth. Again, you know, I think the baseline right now is 29%. So Amazon took share at their scale of over, you know, $80 billion taking share is just like, massive, just draining the the bucket. Um, this was the fastest growth they've had since 2011. And back in 2011, they were a $48 billion company annually. Uh, so that's just kind of crazy. So, you know, they're, they're, you know, that was nine years ago, they were growing this fast. So not only do they have the large, the rule of large numbers that they seem to be able to, you know, uh, break, uh, but it, it's just kind of crazy how fast they're growing. And yeah, another th- another kind of weird thing, and this kind of speaks to the impact of the pandemic, is usually with Amazon, you have uh, the previous Q4 sets this bar, and then Q1 comes down pretty significantly. Q2, you get to kind of like maybe 80% of that previous Q4. Q3, you kind of flirt with the last Q4. Um, and then Q4, you set a new bar, and then you reset. So it's got that, that step pattern you see if you look at a growth chart of Amazon. Um, this Q2 was substantially higher than Q4 of 2019. So obviously due to the pandemic, that was this huge tailwind um, and they benefited from it massively. Yep. And remind me, traditionally, where would Prime Day land in Q2 or Q3 for Amazon? Is it Q3? Uh, it would be June. So it would be Q2. Q2. Yeah. So like the previous year's numbers uh, that they beat had this this huge holiday uh, spending spree in it that they didn't have this year as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So even further impressive, they did all this without a prime day. Um, and then Jason, you were watching carefully the split between North America and international. What'd you see there? Yeah. And reminder, North America is the mature market for Amazon. And so, you know, they, uh, they tend to have more profit. Uh, they're investing a lot internationally and tend to not have, as a, a significant profit, um, and it's a smaller business, so it should grow faster. Uh, but basically, whilst the expectation was uh, that uh, th- uh, they would have about $50 billion in sales, um, which would be 30% growth uh, in North America, and they came in at $55 billion in sales. So that's a 44% year-over-year growth, which is redonkulous. Um, for you know a company of their size, and then internationally, the expectation was uh, nineteen and a half billion, which would have been up twenty two percent, and they came in at twenty two point seven billion, which was again up forty one percent. So, uh, like the you know the uh, growth across the board in a variety of different markets that we're all experiencing COVID very differently. Um, so phenomenal and, um, super impressive, uh, to me, the most interesting thing though is earnings. I feel like people are kind of used to Amazon putting ridiculous sales numbers up on the board and the, the annoying retort we often get is, yeah, but anyone could sell a lot, you know, when you're not making money. And of course we've, we've tried to consistently debunk that. Um, so uh, this year, the coming in, the expectation was a buck ninety earnings per share, um, and uh, 
they fairly significantly beat that. They came in at ten dollars and thirty cents uh, earnings per share, which is uh, eight dollars and forty cents a share uh, above estimate, or or you know a, about six times the the estimated earnings. Um, the last year was a good year for profitability for them, and they earnings were five point two dollars per uh, per share. So. You know, the expectation was earnings would be down this year because of all of these COVID expenses, and yet earnings were double what they were last year, even with them spending $4 billion on uh, one-time COVID expenses. So that's just crazy. Um, you know, they've always been good at cash flow, and again, it was, a, you know, uh, operating cash flow increased 42% to $51 billion, and the free cash flow, which is, of course, this number Jeff uh, wants us all to to focus on, increased to $31.9 billion. So, um, across the board, pretty ridiculous. Uh, in addition to the $4 billion they spent on COVID, they still spent $9 billion on uh, capital projects, which was a lot of incremental uh, fulfillment centers. It was interesting. I was having a conversation with someone today and, you know, over the last several years, Amazon was opening fulfillment centers based on location to get like closer to customers and fill in gaps in their network. And, uh, you know, this person who was heavily involved in, in the construction of Amazon's fulfillment uh, network was saying that that's no longer the case, that now what's driving new fulfillment centers is where they can get space, like that, that they're, they're no longer like filling in dead zones um, with new fulfillment centers. They're just adding capacity to to the reach they already have and, and that the biggest constraining factor at the moment is places they can lease that are that are big enough, not, you know, specific locations that are close to particular markets. So... Uh, a lot of investment and growth. Um, they also hired a bunch of people. Um, I, I want to say they brought in like 175,000 temps. So, you know, it's crazy to think they did all these like holiday-like things to meet this holiday-like demand that was completely unplanned. And they, I think they said they're going to convert 125,000 of those to full-time employees. So that's, that's enormous growth on that side. Um, and, uh, you know they're they're uh, investing significantly in in all these high growth areas for them. So you know they're still fighting uh, tooth and nail to to win a share in India. Uh, they're you know investing significantly in growing their their ad network. Uh, you know I, I talk a lot about their efforts in grocery, which we're continuing to follow, and obviously they made further investments in in the health space and uh, in new Alexa capabilities. So. Uh, a lot of stuff going on at Amazon. What did, what did you uh, take away from all that, Scott? Yeah, I think the I think they were probably surprised about how much profit squirted out of this thing, and they couldn't spend it fast enough. <laughs> so it's a high class problem. I'm super jealous. I don't I don't typically have this problem. Yeah, that's um, when you buy you. That's when you decide to shoot a bunch of satellites in the space. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> um, put pallets of cash on them and launch them out there too. Just just. In case. Exactly. Um, I did listen to the Wall Street call. Um, it was pretty terse. You know, it's the prepared remarks. They, they don't like to – Amazon's general position, which, which is actually probably pretty smart, um, comes from game theory where you, you reveal as little as possible. Um, so some of the little tidbits I did pull from there, uh, you know, they one of these measures they look at is paid unit growth, and that was up 57%. 
Um, that compares to last quarter's growth rate of 32. And then Q1, it had slowed down to 10%. So this is like uh, uh, Q1 of 19, I believe that is. So that's, you know, so to go from like 10% and at that time frame up to here is just pretty amazing. Um, I was a little bit amazed they had the capacity to ship this much because, you know, that's a, uh, uh, you know, at the scale they're at, I, it's hard to back in a number of packages. On the call, they did talk about one of the things that kind of helped them a lot is well, well two things. Um, around uh, around April, you know, in March and April, they really kind of limited to uh, essentials um, being stuff for COVID, and they started to kind of blend that through the quarter. And they said by June, uh, April, June, sorry, May, June, they had gotten to kind of like more of what they called a normal balance. Um, but they did say one of the things that was helpful to ship all this was third party. So they've had this program. Um, I always call it Merchant Fulfilled Prime, uh, MFP. They called it MFN on the call. I don't I don't know what that is. That may be network. Um, so uh, whatever you call it, though, they, you know, um, They've always had this ability. So if you're not in Prime, then you're just fulfilling your own packages, but that's not a Prime experience. So then they created this middle one where you can live up to the Prime promise and be a third-party seller. And it seems like they really leaned on that a lot this quarter, and their larger sellers really kind of helped them get to these kinds of numbers. Um, And we'll talk about 3 p.m. in more detail in a minute. Um, so there's some interesting color there about, you know, they kind of went into essentials and they kind of mixed back into their normal mix there. Uh, and then, you know, they even said that they were just surprised by how high demand was that, you know, you never see, you know, you never hear them say that, you know, they said a lot of it was driven by prime members. So they were like super engaged, bigger baskets, grocery. Um, they called out several times as being a, a really good success area for the quarter. Um, and then one of the Wall Street guys, I think it was uh, a guest we've had on our show, Mark Mahaney, he kind of said, you know, how far, how long till you get back to kind of like that one day prime that we've been talking about for so long? Um, and they they admitted on the call that they're still behind on shipping. Um, and then, you know, they, they didn't really commit to when they can kind of get back to quote unquote on par. So, um, you know, it sounds like they're still their infrastructure is still just really creaking under this this massive load, and it's not just the growth; it's the scale. You know that that extra eight billion dollars. Um, if you figure a eighty dollar uh, average song price on something or something like that, that, that's a lot more packages you've got to ship. So, um, so I thought that was an interesting color that they are kind of busting at the seams on this whole infrastructure. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they they talked about investing a big chunk in this, and you know. I kind of envision there's something like 40,000 sprinter vans out there. I could see them like tripling that program. Yet at some point they've got to be bigger than UPS and FedEx on all this deliveries. There's, there's not a lot of good third party validation data on that. Um, But at some point they've just got to be like way bigger than that. So that, that was my takeaway on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought there were a bunch of interesting things. I, uh, they did talk a lot about the mix shifting to essentials, uh, and interestingly, you would the conventional wisdom is that the essentials mix is less profitable than the traditional mix. Um, you're you're selling like a lot of CPG items and toilet paper, um, and that's those aren't like the the high gross margin items traditionally. So so the earnings are even more impressive given that they they had this you know mix that so heavily skewed uh, to to essentials. Um, 
the MFN comment I found interesting too, because we had heard from several people that like, it's really difficult to get into the MFN program and therefore there aren't a lot of people taking advantage of it and that it's not all that, that significant in terms of shipping volume. But the, the comments this quarter make, make you think that it, it must be more significant than, than, uh, some people thought. So I thought that that was super interesting. And then, uh, this this whole logistics war thing is coming up in a lot of my conversation with retailers. You know, if you're not Amazon and don't own your delivery network, one of the things that's happened is there was all this un, uh, unexpected demand for e-commerce, right? So superficially, you're like, hey, this is great. Everyone wants to buy, you know, all our stuff on the web. Um, well, you got to deliver all that stuff. And UPS and FedEx didn't, you know, flex for holiday capacity. Um, and so, you know, those carriers are going to all the retailers and they're saying, hey, we're only going to take 80% of your orders, right? Um, and if you're Foot Locker, you don't have a lot of other places to go if UPS doesn't want to deliver all of your orders. And then the next conversation is even worse. Um, now, what volume do you want to commit to for holiday and these are our new higher surcharged rates. Um, and that's a double whammy because, like, the unit economics were already challenging, and now the shippers are going to take a, a richer um, mix from you. And you're having to commit to your holiday volumes in the the most uncertain holiday period most retailers have ever faced. So it's really difficult to forecast demand. So, so if you're someone that's dependent on the third-party carriers – uh, you're you're having a lot of logistical challenges right now, and so you know Amazon's ability to deliver a lot of their own packages and you know pull a lever to make that bigger um, is is increasingly uh, widening the gap versus a lot of other e-commerce players. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to dive into it, but I saw UPS's stock um, surged and they had some kind of a, a massive beat themselves. Um, I don't think FedEx is announced yet, but. Yeah, um, UPS's profitability on a surge is at the you know that that could be margin that you know, retailers effectively paying for. Yeah, and then on top of all that, there's this other you know whammy that could drop. Like the um, the the economics of the U.S. Post Office are really unsound, and and in all of these bailout conversations, there I haven't heard any conversation about a package for the post office. So there's. You know, if they were to fall down, um, that would take a huge chunk of out of everyone's capacity as well. So it's scary times. Yeah. How about um, let's talk about the forward guidance that that Amazon provided? Yeah. Uh, So I think the Wall Street expectation for Q3 was eighty five point five billion. Um, and Amazon's guidance was slightly north of that. So they gave this 87 to 93 billion range, which would be uh, a 24 to 33% year over year growth. Um, so you split the difference and you call that, you know, 27.5% growth is what they're forecasting for next quarter. Um, and they, they are forecasting further uh, one-time COVID expenses, but significantly less than last quarter. So they're expecting another $2 uh, billion in COVID costs versus $4 billion uh, this quarter. I think Amazon has formally said that they're going to stop doing the, the um, fulfillment uh, employee bonuses. Um, so I assume that's a big chunk of those uh, 
those costs. And I assume, you know, a lot of the, the $4 billion was uh, capital investment in, in uh, new protective technologies that they still benefit from this quarter. So, uh, so I think the forecast was operating income in that two to $5 billion range. Cool. Um, turning to third party marketplaces. Uh, so one of the one of the areas we track is uh, what share of paid units was third party market shares. That was kind of like in line with where it's been. It's been kind of hovering in this kind of, it kind of bounces between 49 and 53%. It came in at 53%. Uh, so a slight tick up from last quarter where we saw a lot of growth is they do record revenue now from third party marketplace seller services. That includes the take rate and FBA and some things like that. Um, that grew 53% year over year, which I think is the fastest ever. I went back, um, a couple of years, I didn't go back um, infinitely, but uh, they haven't been. Re- they, they've only been disclosing this for like two or three years, so I feel pretty good saying that's the fastest that I've ever seen of that. And to compare it, uh, you know, there's always people that say, "Ooh, Amazon's using their data from third party to grow their first party business." Well, um, if that's the goal, they're doing a terrible job at it because third party is growing significantly faster than first party. Um, so, first party grew forty nine percent, and third party fifty three percent. Yeah, and it's confusing because. In this context, first party means like goods that they buy and wholesale to mm-hmm. to consumers. I think the actual actual acquisition uh, accusation is that they're using third party data for Amazon owned products, um, which also aren't selling particularly well. So your your point is still totally <laughs> totally valid. Um, other you know the the Amazon manufactured products that are selling really well are these like completely unique products that have no third party equivalent like like the Alexa. Um so so yeah, I I don't totally buy it either. I feel like it gets it gets overblown. Did uh at the risk of asking you something that you didn't do the math on um what what does that put the 3P mix at now? Like what percentage of of sales is that? Yeah, I have I have this model and it's gotten out of date with um Amazon's moved around a bunch of stuff inside of these numbers. So I'm gonna wait for a Wall Street person to uh chime in and, and uh we're recording this show so fast after the results of the Wall Street people haven't. So I will tweet that when I get it. So totally fair. But it's yeah. north of fifty is pretty clear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, okay. I think the last time I looked at it it was uh like seventy percent of all GMV was third party. Wow. Okay. So that that fifty three percent is deceptive because units. Um, yeah, and uh, over on the Amazon side of the ledger, a lot of the units are super cheap. So they're like um, all digital downloads fall in there, and kind of Kindle books. So they have an AOV of kind of or an ASP of under kind of twelve twenty dollars. Then over on the three P side, the ASP is more like seventy or eighty dollars. So, um, so it's. Again, when Amazon can pick a number, to your earlier point about the Bezos letter, when they have a set of numbers to pick from, they're going to pick the one that understates things as much as possible. So the 53% makes you think that's the amount of GMV coming from third parties, but it's kind of understated because the other side of the equation has a one-seventh or one-third ASP compared to the number of units on the other side, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then you can't talk about Amazon earnings without talking about the cloud wars. Um, and so uh, in Amazon's case, that's AWS. Uh, Wall Street was uh, looking for $11.1 billion in AWS revenue, and it uh, came in slightly below that. So 
you know, one of the few misses in this whole earnings report. It came in at 10.8 billion. Um, and I, uh, randomly like I chuckle at that because, you know, we, we keep hearing, Oh, AWS is the only real business in Amazon and all the rest of this stuff is just, just, uh, sort of loss, loss leaders. And so, uh, uh, you know, in, interesting that that's, that's the only thing that, uh, that was a slight miss. Um, that still is like a 29% year over year increase. Um, and, and, you know, they do have a lot large numbers here that, you know, they're getting bigger and bigger. Um, but, uh, uh, I think margins, uh, look like they improved for the quarter. So I think they were at 54%, um, which I think is an uptick. Uh, you know, again, there's a, a theory that uh, because of COVID, a lot more people relied on cloud computing and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the remote worker services that we're all living on now, um, you know, are all big AWS customers and all the video streaming services, which is, you know, most of our only entertainment right now are, are big AWS customers. So they're, um, my thoughts going in, uh, I would have expected this to be a particularly good quarter for, for AWS. And it was a perfectly fine quarter, but it wasn't uh, amazing, uh, especially compared to the, uh, the, the retail side of the business. Um, for comparison, uh, I think uh, Google's cloud platform, uh, you know, is on a smaller base, but, uh, but they, they uh, were slightly north of 3 billion. So that was like 43% growth versus Amazon's 29% growth, but on a, a business that's, you know, three times as large. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. If there was any kind of crack in this kind of perfect quarter, that was the the cloud. But you know, I, I think we're seeing this with like Salesforce.com, the macro. There's these large businesses are feeling the macroeconomic, right? Um, so I think that's probably what's going on here. Is for there's a lot of winners and losers in this this world, and I think the you know Amazon had a portfolio, and, and AWS was a slight loser because these B two B customers are under a lot of pressure. Yeah, and and for sure, everyone was looking to you know at austerity measures. So if there was a chance to defer some of the the cloud costs, or you know, I'll bet you they even you know had a lower uh, payment rate than they usually have, and things like that. Um, a side note: we'll do a deeper dive later, but it's been interesting to me. Uh, all of these cloud providers are launching more and more specialized services that are available in their clouds, and a lot of these are are new like e-commerce microservices um and so you know when you start thinking about what your e-commerce platform is it's interesting you can get more and more of your commerce capabilities from these native cloud providers so uh this week amazon launched a new like anti-fraud system uh that's a, a a default service in aws and and you know that's interesting because before this before that, there were you know five dedicated point solutions that sold um, anti anti fraud solutions, and now you know Amazon drops one of those. And I think this week uh, Google went into public beta on a new AI product recommendations engine. Amazon already had offered one, and so again, like there are lots of things that you formerly would buy from these like commerce platform uh, specialty firms, and it it, it feels like uh, Amazon and Google and Microsoft are really really leaning into that, that space, which probably isn't good news for a lot of those traditional vendors. 
Yeah, and you talk a lot about this headless uh, kind of trend. Um, at some point, we need to do a deep dive on this. And, uh, you know, what if you could go, you know, get all this stuff from free and build your own little front end or marry, marry it with a content thing that could be pretty disruptive? Um, another little kind of chink in the armor uh, was shipping costs. So they grew, you know, if, if we think of overall, Amazon grew uh, north of 40%. Shipping costs grew 68%. So definitely, you know, scaling up this fast uh, that, you know, came at an extra cost on the shipping side. Um, you know, I, I think what Amazon will do, though, is they can be really smart about this, continue to, you know, Amazon's philosophy is, you know, get revenue first and then work chew away at expenses. So I bet they'll be able to look at that and say, hmm, you know, we had to use UPS for these six routes and we've never had to do that before. Let's let's drop an Amazon Prime DSP in there and and you know go direct and take a bunch of cost out of that equation. So so you know in in one way there's a two sides of this coin. Yeah, they spent a lot on shipping, but they now know exactly, you know, what it looks like to service at an eighty eight billion dollar level and and they can go kind of improve on that over time. Um, I was interested in the ads business. What did you see there? Yeah, so that was interesting. So the Wall Street expectation was 40% growth. Like, this has been a very fast-growing category. It's what Amazon calls other revenue, but it's it's mostly them selling ads to other brands. Um, the They came in at 41%, so a slight beat, um, you know, a uh, huge growth. So, you know, they're continuing on their ad trajectory. It was 4.2 uh, for the quarter. I don't even know how to convert quarterly estimates into annual estimates anymore because, like, normally you'd have this Q4 spike as your kind of seasonality look. Um, and now that we have a giant Q2 spike, like, it's hard, you know, I don't even know how to think about it. But if you just, you know, assume that all the the quarters are equivalent, that you're on a $16 billion run rate, um, which is pretty significant. It's by, you know, it's a, a clear third largest ad, digital ad network in North America behind Facebook and Google and growing much faster than either of those. The one thing I will say is I would have expected almost even better growth this quarter because an interesting phenomenon, uh, all the brick-and-mortar stores closed in Q2, right? And all the brands that primarily sell their goods through those stores had a bunch of shopper marketing dollars that they normally invest in marketing in those stores. They pay for ads on the shelf. They pay for store decals. They pay for ads in the store circulars that gets distributed and uh, ads in the newspaper that get people to go to the stores. And none of those vehicles really worked for brands. And so my expectation was almost that those brands would would disproportionately shift those dollars to uh, digital channels and that they would disproportionately shift them to to Amazon. And, uh, you know, while it's huge growth, it's kind of li- linear growth based on the last couple of quarters for Amazon. So I, I uh, Wall Street was right. I was wrong. But I, I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the Amazon results, I would say. Um, yeah, they handled this pandemic way better than... I would have ever guessed by being able to really scale up infrastructure, leaning on third parties. Um, the whole thing really just, they, they hit on all cylinders. There is a little bit of a, you know, what's going on at AWS. And and I've seen some people say the ads, they kind of felt like could have grown faster. I, I'm okay with that. Cause I always feel like ads are this trade off with the user experience a little bit. And, and I'm okay with it growing a little bit slower than, than the overall pie. Um, how, how would you summarize the quarter? Yeah. So again, I um, uh, 
was uh, surprised and impressed. I thought that maybe their growth would be uh, a little more constrained because of capacity issues, and I thought their profitability would be more challenged because of the the mix and and you know a lot of these um, extraneous operating costs in in the COVID climate. And so it's it's you know you you always think of things like cloud computing as this like super elastic business model, which is super impressive. But what what's just shocking to me is. Amazon has made like their whole business pretty elastic and they, they, um, you know, for an unplanned holiday spike like this, um, I feel like they, they flexed and took advantage remarkably. I expected them to, um, struggle a little bit more. So, so, uh, hats off to Jeff and the gang. Good job. Yeah. I do feel like the Q3 is a little bit of sandbagging and, and, I can understand that because we're in such uncertain times. It's really hard to know how long is this going to go on? When is this, you know, does the GDP being down 30% start to impact people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of counterintuitive stuff going on here. It's like a very, there, there, you know, there, there is a very hard kind of macro environment to navigate right now. So, so I can kind of uh, yeah. understand why you'd be conservative there. Yeah, no, and Q, I mean, yeah, I think there's more uncertainty than than usual in all all these retailer forecasts. But you're right, like Q3. On the one hand, um, Amazon had a a lot of new users for the quarter, right? Like there were people that were not traditional digital shoppers that because of COVID shop digitally for the first time. For sure, there were a lot of grocery shoppers that placed orders with Whole Foods for the first time, and and Amazon something like tripled their their grocery delivery capacity during during COVID. And so you could imagine that a bunch of those new users that that habit sticks and they they, you know, become uh, recurring users in Q3. So, you know, that could be favorable to Amazon. It wouldn't shock me. I didn't see anything in the earnings about Prime membership, but uh, it's totally possible that there were a bunch of people that were on the fence about whether Prime was a good value. And because of COVID, it suddenly became a good value. So they might have more Prime users and we know that has a, a long-term impact. Um, and, you know, because the macroeconomic situation is probably not going to be good and there's going to be a decline in consumer confidence, people tend to shift to value-oriented shopping and, and Amazon largely wins at value-oriented shopping. So there's a lot of reasons to be bullish on their, their Q3, um, you know, but at the same time, there's like will a bunch of those one-time digital shoppers go back to stores when their favorite store reopened as it is it likely now has and did they have a bad experience with that grocery order because it was delayed and had a bunch of substitutions in it so will those people go back to the grocery store like it's it's anybody's guess it's uh you know the the old playbook isn't going to help you very much at the moment yeah cool um any other tidbits from some of the other results you want to go over uh, I guess just super quickly, you mentioned it in the open, but uh, Shopify had a really good quarter, you know, 97% year-over-year growth. Um, so that was $714 million versus uh, expected uh, $362 million. Uh, their earnings were equally like about 10x of what expectations were. So that, that was impressive. Um, and I think they're... Uh, if you add up all the Shopify sellers, their cumulative revenue um, uh, surpassed eBay. Like, I'm not sure it's exactly apples to apples because it's a bunch of independent sellers versus a unified platform. But but uh, that's a you know a potential milestone 
um, that I think now Walmart and Shopify have both basically passed past eBay. Uh, and then I do think eBay's quarter was interesting. Uh, you know, I, th- I had sort of felt like because Amazon leaned so heavily into essentials and had to constrain some of their service levels, that that would open the door for other retailers. And I certainly talked to a lot of consumers that are like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, uh, hard to find items. I was suddenly, you know, going to non-traditional sources. Um, And so, you know, I think a lot of people that traditionally wouldn't have thought of eBay were giving eBay a try to see if they could get masks or hand sanitizers or um all of those sorts of things. So it'll be interesting. Was that a one-time thing for eBay or will they be able to lock in some of those new customers and, and uh, potentially retain them? I think is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. They, they have a new CEO over there. So I'm, uh, I'm excited that he'll come in and shake some stuff up. They did sell their classifieds business. So they've been divesting of some things that are kind of a distraction like StubHub as well. Yeah. And that, the classified business was largely international at this point, right? Like, yeah, it was this thing called Kijiji. <laughs> it's kind of like it, bless you. It's classified. <laughs> these classifieds are weird because people at eBay generally have loved them, and I've never used them, so I just I don't I've never understood the whole thing. But they sold it for like eight billion dollars, so there's definitely a there there. Um, yeah, Josh. Yeah. The um, the other thing I saw was they announced they added eight million new customers, so that's exciting to see. To your point, a lot of new people trying out eBay. I think they have this just branding problem where. People still think of them as auctions, and they need to kind of figure out. Yeah. yeah, and then they went through a period in the Donahoe era where they were going to kind of like take on Amazon. That didn't really work out very well for them. So they, they need to find their place in the world, and and hopefully the new CEO, he's kind of an old-school eBay guy. Um, you know, I'm optimistic that um, you know, I think we need a variety of options out there for everybody, sellers and buyers, and eBay could be a big player. Um, and it's a great quarter. I hope they use this as a stepping stone into fixing a bunch of these kind of more core things that they, they face. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that that would be great. And that's probably going to be a good place to leave it because, once again, we've used up our allotted time. Um, as always, if there was anything uh, that we didn't cover or got wrong, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter or Facebook. This would be a great time to jump on to iTunes and finally give us that five-star review. Always good talking with you, Scott. You too. Yeah. And uh, shout out to some of our uh, listeners who uh, did do five-star reviews and talked about it out on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys listening and coming along for the journey. We will uh, continue to be here and give you all the latest hot takes on things like this, but then also weave in some other uh, items as we go. That is uh, terrific. I'm looking forward to it. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 